0: Okay, are we good? Okay, I I have a message that the Lord's been just really speaking to my heart the last couple of days, and I really feel it is a timely and pertinent word for all of us, for those of us watching online, because everything in the history of this planet has had one very, very powerful common denominator, and that's words. I want to talk to us today about the power of your words. The power of your words. See, in the beginning, the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the the deep. And God said. God's response to darkness is that he said, let there be light. Then he created the sun and the moon. He created the, the land and the sea. He created animals, fish flying birds, and things that walked on the earth. Everything that you see is a result of God's words. But then equally, most of almost everything you see is a result of the devil's words. Has God really said? And so we see, really, we are living in a human-based ecosystem of words. Everything has been both blessed and cursed through words. We're living in the result of God's creation that came from His words, and we're living in the fallout of the words that the devil spoke firstly to Eve. Has God really said? Doubt, fear, suspicion. Hello. And so it's super, super important that we understand the power of our words. Because the Bible actually makes a statement that we often overlook, myself included, that it's actually a very disturbing statement. It says that we will be held accountable for every word, intentional or idle or casual, that we've ever spoken. That, that, that should make you shudder, it makes me shudder. Hello, Mind I in the right church today? Just checking, just, just checking. See, we like the Word and the Spirit. They bring maturity when they come together. And so so words are one of the most underrated yet overly powerful things that we have access to. Salvation actually has a huge amount to do with what your words are. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. It's not just what you believe, it's what you say. True. So I want to jump into a few things real quick. I have a bunch of scriptures, because scriptures have this really amazing tendency of speaking for themselves. If you want to come with me to the book of Proverbs, please. The book of Proverbs, verse 18. Proverbs, chapter 18. I think I said verse 18. Proverbs, chapter 18, and I'm going to read from verse 20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. A man's stomach shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Now watch this. Verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Have you ever been around someone and all they do is deliver critical, nasty statements where they're always accusing people, they're always undermining, speaking evil of leadership maybe, speaking evil of other friends in the circle, where they're Making statements to you when you go away more confused and feeling this dark, demonic torment and, like, uncomfortable thing on you than you went into meeting with them. You ever been around one of those people? Because what you're experiencing is not just an inconvenient string of words that were put together. You're actually actually experiencing a demonic stirring Because words are more spiritual than they appear. Words are a spiritual tool out of the toolbox. And if you love life, you will walk with life-giving words. But if you want death, and by the way, you don't actually have to tangibly want death. You just have to be tangibly in a bad mood. You have to have tangible bad attitudes. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible says. So, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, people tell me, well, I'm this, 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 and this, but then I wait a little longer, and then the real them starts coming out of their mouth. You know, like that statement, like, you know, a liar has to have a really good memory because they just start telling different stories to everyone they talk to. Or, you know, the, like in a, in, a, in a situation where there's been a crime, they'll ask the person, you know, once and then they'll give them 24 hours and they'll hold them in a, in, a, in a cell or in the courtroom and then they'll ask them again. And then the story now has like a 15% different angle on it. And then they ask them again. They do that on purpose because they're looking for facets or defects in the storyline. Does this make sense? and And so life and death is in the power of the tongue and we have to make sure that we are both guarding our tongues and the ears of uh, our own ears of those around us. So I want to talk a little bit about this today because the reality is, is if you ask any person, they're going to say, well, I love life. We, we, We want God's version of life over us, true? We don't want evil things. But the reality is, is that not everyone lives out the very best that God has for them. And some people, the Bible says, even become enemies of the cross. Now, that's people that were in the church that Scripture's talking to. Okay? So, so let's go down this, uh, this trail a little bit. I want to get into some stuff here because this is a good message for each one of us, myself included, to examine our lives and our vocabulary and the intents of our hearts and our minds. So that we're actually partnering with heaven in our language and what we tolerate in our atmosphere, and not just slowly, unawaringly slipping into something else. Because if God created the world with His words, and yet Satan tore down perfect man's relationship with a perfect God, with His words, we have to pay attention. Because when Satan came to Eve, he didn't come as an evil individual. He came as a very caring, thoughtful confidant. You know, he didn't come in like a, a snake, by the way, either. That's what, like, Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci, that they painted those paintings of the devil as a serpent coming to talk to Eve. He did not come in like a snake. He lost his legs after God came and judged him, and probably his wings. That's why the Bible calls him the dragon of old, because he was a very glorious creature. Think about that for a second. God says, from now on, you will crawl on your belly and eat the dust. Hello? You guys with me? So when Satan came into the garden to, to, to twist Eve up and get her thinking about something else, he came in as a magnificent opinion. He came in with phenomenal wisdom to offer he came in seeming very concerned about her well-being and her future and her destiny. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. And, And in that scenario, I just want you to understand this, in that scenario, the right option seemed very plain. Do you understand that? When, when the devil was talking to Eve in the garden, saying, has God really said that if you eat the fruit, you'll surely die? No, no, no. He doesn't want you to become like him, which was his own personal beef with God, because he wanted to be like God himself. Hello? Do you notice how his own flavor of hate came out in that statement? But it didn't come out with like, ah. it came out with like, oh, I'm just really concerned about your life story. Come on. But in that moment, Eve was caught up in the emotional seduction of his proposition and God seemed very plain and boring in that moment because that very thoughtful, caring statement actually started to paint great prejudice against God without saying it. See, most of the powerful moments in these types of scenarios, the potent poison is hidden well behind what's actually being said. Matter of fact, it's what's not being said in between the words. You following me? Okay. So, for instance, just for those of you that didn't understand what I just said, Satan came in and he said, you know, he said, has God really said that you shouldn't eat the fruit? Oh, no, he just doesn't want you to be like him. What he's actually saying there to Eve is he wants to keep you oppressed. He wants to keep you lower. He, he doesn't want you to feel like you're on his equal level. And he sows this idea of inferiority of discontent, he sows this idea of a devalued or, or picked upon status for Eve. Does this make sense? So Eve, she doesn't hear any of that. She just hears, oh, God just doesn't want you to X, Y, Z. He doesn't want you to be like him. But then subliminally in Eve's mind, she now has a seed growing. Because God created seed time and harvest, correct? And the, he's like, you know, every seed will bear according to its own. So, so the devil's seed, his reproductive organ is like God's. Your mouth is the greatest reproductive organ in your body. You've been made in the God's image, right? You've been made in the image of God. So if you think, like having children is a beautiful thing, but the most potent reproductive thing that you will ever do is use your tongue. Hello? Don't think for a second that Lucifer didn't pervert 30% or a third, 33.3333, reoccurring forever, eternally. It says a third of the angels followed Lucifer. They didn't just follow him because. They followed him because his tongue was so much of a slick salesman that he repackaged hatred to seem like justice. Understand what I'm saying here. He repackaged it so that it seemed compassionate, so that it seemed like a movement needed to happen in the angels, and they turned on God. And now you have a demonic army trying to destroy the earth. So I want you to understand that. You have to understand when we're saying words have life and death, Jesus is basically saying, well, in this case, the, uh, the Psalms, David, who'd been hanging out with God a whole bunch, they're basically saying you're either going to have the language of God or the voice of the devil. Hello? Okay. So, let's, let's keep moving here. So, come with me, please, now. That was Proverbs, actually. Now, we're going to Psalms. Come with me to Psalms. We're going to go to chapter one. So if you're going to, you know, if you're King David and one day you wake up and you want, like, you know what? I've killed Goliath. I have become the king. This is pretty awesome. Like all kinds of awesome stuff. I've got the lion and the bear, really cool stuff. I didn't get killed. I was hunted by by, by Saul for like, you know, 14 years. So now let's write some psalms. Right? He ticked off a few you know, accomplishments. Now, now he's going to write these contemplative, reflective psalms that tell his story. Right? So if you're going to do that, you're going to make sure, make sure that your opening statement has some, has some meaning. Yeah? Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now stop right there. What is the counsel of the ungodly? Well, actually, Eve. God's actually trying to stop you from being like him because you were made for greater things. It's time to detach yourself from God, Eve, and do your own thing. I'm just here as a friend. I'm just looking out for your best interests. I don't really have anything against God, but actually, you know, we're really talking about you right now. You see how this thing works? And it starts to sow dissension and insurrection against the king. Hello. See, in the world of opinions, they all seem real until the sort of truth comes down and and clearly defines where the line is. There's not multiple lines. There is one truth. There there may be opinions, but opinions are weak emotional attempts at defining a reality that in fact really doesn't exist. It is a Disneyland fantasy alternate reality to avoid looking at the truth. Hello. There can only be one truth. It's like you walk out at 8 a.m. in the morning. It's like, no, it's still nighttime. Take the little sun sleeper glasses off. It's daytime. Just because you believe and you keep your eyes closed that it's not the sun hasn't come up doesn't mean that it hasn't happened. It's happened. You're looking like a fool. Hello. So opinions are these tragic attempts to avoid reality. And they're coming through filters of deceived people. So, blessed is the man or the woman, right, that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So, what is that? And by the way, when it says ungodly, that doesn't just mean people that don't go to church. There's some ungodly folks in the church. Hello. There's some people that are hanging out in church and they've got your best interest in mind. Actually, no, they don't. They just want to vent on you because they're offended. And it seems like it's really well packaged. Hello? It seems like they got just your best outcome in mind, but actually they're trying to hurt you and use you like a pawn. Because they didn't read that scripture. It's like if any of you causes any one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for a millstone hung around your neck and you cast in the sea. Quote Jesus. Hello? Because people that want to live offended have purchased the franchise of poison. This is why the Bible says this. It says, take heed lest any root of bitterness spring up among you and mess one person up. No. The devil is a cancer. And once he's got into your ear, he wants to use your mouth because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. If you got an offense, you can't help but let it out well, I'm just going to sit quietly offended for the rest of my life. Don't worry, I won't tell no way. I won't, I won't say a thing. I got this. No, dude, you're about to tell the whole world. They're the people that'll go to the restaurant, have an amazing meal, and the fork was on the wrong side of the plate, so they give a one-star review. they just hurt. They're just messed up individuals. It's true. I'm not being harsh. It's just, unfortunately, you need to take your little glasses off. It's just that I'm bringing truth. Truth to someone that has an opinion and is deceived seems very insulting. But truth will set you free. It just might be very inconvenient to your emotions. Truth can really hurt your emotions. But truth is what makes strong men and strong women. The absence of truth makes idiots that think they know that what's really real and they think that they can act like they're in charge. The absence of truth. You're the ultimate fool. Okay, so let's just carry on. That was the first line in that scripture. So blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Someone that doesn't actually want to be counseled. You know, people will leave churches... And then they don't go back to church. And what they do is they go and start seeing a counselor because a counselor, they can fire the counselor. And while I'm paying you, you better behave yourself. See, but when you go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, that's a counselor. But bitter people that start trying to counsel you on how you should live and how their opinion and their experience should affect the way that you see other people, how you should make decisions, who you should and shouldn't date. I I ain't going to let no person that's been bankrupt 12 times come and give me advice on how I should run my finances. I ain't going to let no person that's been divorced 12 times come and tell me how I should be with my wife or if I'm single, how I should look to go about dating because clearly their life's been a success. I ain't going to walk in their counsel. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So in the same way, when people try and come and tell, you know, like when people come and say, well, this person told me that, and I'm like, well, do you believe it? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, just stop. Let me help you for a second, because I don't want to tell you what to do. But I do want you to look at them. Just look at it. (laughs) Look at it. Right? Look at their life, and see how well their opinions worked out for them. Because if their opinion ain't worked out for them, and their life's in tatters, Just get out the little whiteout and just erase that whole comment they made to you. It was better that you never heard it in the first place. I don't want to take counsel from someone that's walking in defeat. I don't want to take counsel about opinions from someone who who walks in rebellion or independence or hidden secret relationships, hidden secret sins, addictions. I don't want to walk in someone who's a hypocrite that wears one hat with one set of friends and a different hat with another. I don't want to take an opinion from that person. That person is broken. Now, I like to cook. A lot. And I ain't going to go eat out of no bowl that hasn't been washed. You wouldn't do that, but you do that with some of your friends. Some bowl ain't been washed, and you're like, mmm, dessert. Like, dude, that's disgusting. That had ground beef in it, and then before that, it was a salad. It ain't been washed. That's gross, dude. Dudette. Right? That's just gross. But we do that by drinking out of other people's bowls, thinking that we're getting wiser. No, you get more confused, <laughs> So do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Just because they have the name Christian don't mean they got the walk Christian. See, there's some people in your life that are actually poison, and you think that you can hang out and stay connected because that you've got an emotional, nostalgic connection with them, and you don't want you got a problem with letting go. It's true. Some people know they'll, they'll divorce the wrong people, and then they'll stay married to the right person. I'm talking relational. I'm talking marriage. Okay, let's start that again, shall we? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path or the way of sinners. Well, I just need to stay relational, so I'm going to keep hanging out with the group, and, you know, once in a while I just do what they do. Dude, that ain't relational. Jesus hung out with prostitutes, but he didn't prostitute himself. What? You just said Jesus didn't prostitute. That's right, I didn't. Jesus didn't prostitute himself and he didn't, and he didn't work with prostitutes either. Hello. But he loved them without becoming them. He didn't use his proximity to degrade his stance on purity. Nor walks in the path of sinners. Come on. I'm talking about the power of your words today. See, who you associate with the most is actually who you're going to look like in a minute. Well, I just need to stay connected. I don't know how to let go. Okay, I already see where you're going. You don't want to let it go. I, I, dude, I don't even need to be a prophet. I don't need like a little scratchy to figure it out. Like we're going to figure this out right now. You're blown. <laughs> yeah, you need to let it go. And You don't need to be a little flippin' frozen blowout either with us. So what's, what's that? Ulcer? A little frozen little little snowman? You don't need to be that to let it go. You can just let it go. Watch this. No seat. Hey, listen. We can have. It. Oh God. <laughs> He's listen. Dog's trying to get right with Jesus. Don't get in the way. It's okay. <laughs> Let it go. it's alright, we got that's great, don't worry, we're good, we're good, we got this dog just loves the presence. <laughs> that's awesome, that's amazing, that's amazing okay, listen, we can, ha- there's a dog walking around in church right now it's amazing, a little black pug, it's God's plan okay, so, it's okay to have some fun in church, okay Jesus was not some staunch, serious guy that wasn't relational, he spoke truth relationally, and I'm sure that they laughed and had a great time in the process. Otherwise, the kids would have never got near him. So don't stop the children from coming near If he was so serious and, and somber and miserable as some of the Christian religious folks have tried to paint him, none of the kids would have been anywhere near Jesus. They would have been playing with their Tonka toys. Okay. Tonka chariots back then, actually. Okay, A little Tonka chariot. <laughs> Nor, seats, nor, nor sits in the seat of scornful. Now, I've got some stuff to say about that in a minute, but let me just explain to you what, what scornful is. Feeling or expressing contempt or derision against another. Contempt is the word used. The Bible says that familiarity breeds contempt. It is the breeding ground of contempt. When someone believes, now the, the, the word contempt actually relates to a courtroom. So the guy sitting in um, the defense box, I think you call it, the stand, right? He starts to feel or she starts to feel so disconnected from what's really going on that she forgets or he forgets the rank that the judge holds in the courtroom. And so he starts to speak to the judge like a peer. That's what contempt is. And they, they forget respect and value and honor and they become scornful. They begin to jest, jeer, mock, critique and incite insurrection against leadership. That's what scornful means. Okay, so let me just read that again so you can see that in context. Nor sits in the seat of scornful people. So you want to talk like that? We're done. Don't look me up again. Hello. See, we need to actually live biblically, not emotionally. Well, I don't know if I want to be that person. Uh, actually, the Bible has a lot to say on that stuff. The Bible actually talks about in in the epistles to the early church that if people behaved in certain ways, if one of you... If one of you claiming to be a brother, member of the family, continues in sexual perversion, it tells everyone else not even to eat with that person. That's not the Amish. That's the kingdom. Like, oh no, we've kind of grown out of that. Uh, no, God wrote that thing. He's still pretty happy with it. It's just you got uncomfortable with God because you've been listening to whispers. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... Let's carry on. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. What's that? The Scriptures. See, when you have delight in God's Word, you'll stop compromising. When someone tries to talk slander, mockery, dissension, inciting things against other people to me, I'm just like, no. Unless it's a legitimate thing where someone's actually out of order and they're very unhealthy. In a biblical sense. Does that make sense? And we're looking out for other people that they're going to. If it's another Lucifer trying to infect a whole bunch of other people on purpose, I'm coming after you. Because I'm a real shepherd. I'm not on salary. I'm here because I love Jesus. And I, I got a sling and a, and a sniper rifle. We're going to do this. Okay? In the spirit, okay? In the spirit. Not, like, he's going to kill people. No, I'm not. But I am going to deal with it if people try and mess with people that God's given me to care for because this is not some kind of career where I'm worried about how will people look at me if things go south. I don't care, dude. I'm going to look after people. That's my job. You want to make me look bad? I already signed up. I figured that out a long time ago. That's not a threat. Okay. The problem is we've got a culture in the church body right now on the earth where leaders look, care more about how they look than what people's health, health looks like. I've watched leaders with big names back down in situations where they should have dealt with things. And they're just like Eli. They're happy for their sons to sleep with prostitutes on the temple steps and steal from the money box. Because if they confront it, they'd look like aggressors. So they're just happy to let it go in God's house. That stuff can't be. We need fathers that'll stand up in the spirit and actually, no matter who tries to defame them and all the backlash that happens, that will actually stand up and like, protect people. It's Jesus. I think Jesus did that. Okay. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. If you actually read the book, you're going to think straight. You're going to have God's values. You're not going to be swayed by opinion. It's like, for me, I don't get options. I don't have a multi-choice. I get to obey what God told me, and I can't deviate from that. Because if I deviate from that, now, that's now me being disobedient, which is sin. So I don't get to have options. I get to have obedience. So if I have the law of the Lord, I'm not going to tolerate stuff that's gray area. Okay, let's keep reading here because I've got a long ways to go and I'm like, just started. See you at five o'clock. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm going to try and wrap this up here. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He doesn't meditate on the gossip that he was just given. He meditate he meditates on the the law of the Lord, which is the word of God. Okay, he's thinking about that. So if you want to come and give me this juicy morsel in your mind of like blah 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 blah. That's disgusting to me. Hello? So if you're walking with God, you're not going to be consuming that stuff. You're going to be repulsed by it. Okay. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in the season, whose leaf leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he or she does shall prosper. Does that sound good to anybody? It's like, if I do this right, God's going to make everything I do just go well. Hello? Planted by the rivers of life. Come on. Okay. The ungodly are not so. Who is the ungodly in this section of passage? those three things at the beginning. But they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Chaff, just so you know, is the little paper husk around a a wheat grain. And they'd strain them out, they'd bash them around a little bit, and then the, the chaff just flies away and you're left with the grain. The chaff just turns into nothing. If someone's chaff and they're floating out of the circle, let them go. Don't go chase and chafe. It has no value. Hello. It's got no value at all. Oh, come with me. We can all be a team. I'm staying in the bread bowl. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. That's scary. I want to stand in the judgment day. Because, you see, if I walk right with God, I actually don't step into a courtroom. I step into a family dining room. And we sit and talk about things. He's like, you got that, didn't quite get that right, but I know you tried. And you messed up there, but Jesus' blood was there. And you did so well in all these things. I'm so proud of you. Come on, come on. Let me show you the house I've been building for you these last couple of thousand years. And I'll be like, that's right. Let's do this. <laughs> right? I want to be rolling up there. Here's like 50, 60 years, some people get 70, 80. After 80, it gets pretty bumpy. Like you just lose that quality of life, right? There, you're young and you have everything forever. So I don't want to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I don't want to sit in the seat of the scornful. You guys with me? I don't want to have the counsel of the ungodly or walk in the, in the path of sinners, Now, now listen to this. God, who's made us in His own image, created all the worlds. Everything He made in those seven days of creation, He made with us except us. Adam, He made with His own hands. And then He breathed His spirit into into Adam. And Adam became not just a living being. It says He became a living spirit. But with that same mouth that God did all that creation, He's also judged the devil to an eternal fire. you guys with me? There's an eternal fire called hell and anyone that partners with the devil, a.k.a. the wicked. So you have to understand, God is both a phenomenal artist creator, but at the same time, he is a very just judge. Both of those things come out of the same mouth, but not wickedness. You understand? Okay, so I want to talk real quickly about just a few things that are life-giving statements or life-giving attributes that come out of our mouths. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, I'm going to run through them quickly. Life-creating words. Life-creating words. The second one, prophecy and agreement. Now, life-creating and prophecy are two very similar things. See, when you, when you speak, you might be in a dark situation, but when you speak prophecy... You're actually speaking towards the future. You are creating the future that God has spoken over you by using your mouth like your father did to speak life. Are you with me? Or you might be speaking over someone else and encouraging or prophesying over them their future. You might be saying, America, you're not going to fall apart into a civil war. You're going to get saved, repent, and redeemed, and God has a plan for this nation. See, right now, one of the problems with America is that we're celebrating all the evil and wickedness. And there's a lot of evil and wickedness. There's a lot of brokenness in the culture. It needs to be addressed. But if it's addressed through death talk, death will come. It needs life-giving prophecy that still deals with the problems, but doesn't come through hate. And it doesn't divide us. God has never been the author of division. Okay, the next point, out of your mouth, wisdom can come. Now, if you're not walking in a whole bunch of wisdom, I wouldn't be trying to hand out a whole bunch of what you think is wisdom. Does this make sense? That's why you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be getting counsel from the wicked. And you don't want to be a wicked person giving counsel. (laughs) Hello? You got me? But out of the mouth, healthy wisdom can come, which is counsel. Next thing, encouragement. Your mouth can encourage life where it feels like death is in charge. Someone might be just walking through brokenness, and you can step in and speak life to that person. You can encourage them. They might be going through a season where God's really working on them, and they're feeling pretty bro- Who's ever been through that? Like, all of us probably should have been through that, where we're just like, man, I feel like my life's falling apart. I'm not happy right now. I just want to run away and hide and just go die somewhere. And someone's just like, no, you're going to make it. You just hang in there. I've been there too. God's working some stuff through you right now. What you need to do is surrender and let God have the stuff in you because you think it's all the circumstantial stuff. It's not. It's God trying to get to your heart. Because some stuff can't come with you into the next season. And you just need that person that's further down the road that can speak that life into you, that will give you a little bit of clarity in those moments where you feel so disorientated and confused. It brings peace to the storm, it brings calm to the chaos. Encouragement. The next one is healing words where you've walked through maybe abuse or like some traumatic stuff in life, and someone is just walking in a really healthy way with God, and they're able to speak, and it it starts bringing healing to your soul. And it might not be that it all happens in one moment. There's people that we've worked with that it's just years of just pouring healing words, and they don't even receive it most of the time at the first. But if they just stick with you long enough, eventually those healing words and that encouragement start to break those chains and those walls. And they start coming out of that almost like a spell they were under. And you watch them walking out and starting to mature and come out of that brokenness. Healing words. See, we're called to heal and bind up wounds, not to break down and look at people that are hurting and like mock and jest them. Now, if they want that, some people are so in love with their own brokenness that they will refuse healing. And I can't help those people. See, Jesus said, I've come for the sick. And the sick knew who they were. But some people are so twisted in their pride that they don't see their sickness, they think it's wholeness. I can't help those people. That's why Jesus looked at the Pharisees like, I want to help you, but you guys weren't listening. You guys don't think I've got anything to offer. You're going to kill me in a minute. You guys got that? You have to know who you can help and who doesn't want help. And Jesus didn't waste his time on the people that didn't want help. They wanted his time, but they didn't want his help. They just liked the power around him. Yeah, you have to know the difference. Okay, the next one. Strengthening and teaching people. Like what we're doing today. This is strengthening words that are teaching us to not walk in brokenness. This is life. It doesn't always feel like, sometimes the truth feels like a slap in the face. It really does. Sometimes it's very insulting. Because we've built these little empires of brokenness, thinking that we've done some kind of great service to ourselves and God's truth just comes. <laughs> that needs to go. That's like very insulting. It's very insulting. But if we just walk into humility, we're like, oh dang. Well, there's no time like the present to start pedaling in the right direction. Right? I guess that was all for nothing. <laughs> like, let's, just burn it down and blaze of glory, right? Okay. So, uh, the last point was that our voices are powerful when we worship God. Because when we worship God, we come into that perfect alignment of Eden. That, that's what we were made to be. We were made to actually worship God. You have to understand, every human being is worshiping something. Because we were made to worship. When we try, like celebrities, that, I'm telling you, fame is actually a demon. The spirit of fame is a demon. And that's why even a lot of Christian, quote-unquote, celebrities just get destroyed because they've actually partnered with the Spirit that's trying to make them famous. Jesus didn't say, if you lift up the Apostle Paul, I'll draw all men. He said, if you lift me up, I'll draw all men. We need to get out of the thinking, well, if I just make my money and I just get it right and the thing's going to happen, I'll get the right wife and get the big house and people will recognize me, I'll sell my books. Dude, it ain't about you. When we come into a place where we align ourselves with heaven and Jesus is lifted up, we're actually coming back to that true purpose. I was made to worship. Your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus is made to worship. They just don't know it yet. They don't know it because when you you are, you might be denying Jesus, but you're worshiping something. It might be sports, it might be alcohol, it might be sex. It's something. It's money, it's popularity. You're worshiping something. It's like saying that you can put gas in a car and hit the pedal and it won't move anywhere. That's crazy. You were made. Part of your basic pivotal foundational design was to worship, not be worshipped. That's why celebrities are destroyed. That's why you see hideous stories around celebrities' lives where you watch their lives just it looks good for a minute because the devil will let you have your he'll let you have your cake. But you can't eat it too. He just lets you think you can. And then when he gets you, it's too late. I mean, not for Jesus, but it's too late for those people. And that's why you watch them. people die early, there's crazy murders, suicides, there's lives destroyed, marriages destroyed. You guys get what I'm saying? Fame is a demon. You were made to worship God, not be worship yourself. The second you try and turn that mechanism around and receive worship for yourself, you're acting like Lucifer. We were made to give worship, not receive it. You can receive compliments, don't receive worship. So, so when we worship with God, we're actually operating in the way we were designed to live. That's life-giving. Okay, real quickly, I need a hustle here. Come with me to the book of James, please. The book of James. You knew I was going here. James chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 2. I'm going to start hustling right now. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, in their words, they are perfect. Now, can anyone put their hand up and say that they've never stumbled in their words? Just checking, making sure people are listening. Like, you little flipping. (laughs) All hands down, please. Because we've all had that moment where we've let something come out of our mouth that was messed up. Now, my dad did something that was really good when I was a kid. Because I had a little smart mouth on me. I kind of still do. But it's been tamed by Jesus a whole bunch. But when I was a kid, I would, I would blurt things out of my mouth because I, I didn't like, you know, when you get stuff and it's like missing in the box, you go down to Walmart and you buy something and you get home, it's like, oh, this battery's not included. I didn't have a filter included. The filter was just gone. There was no filter. So I'd say things to people and didn't really re- realize the social consequences of, of those things that I was saying, right? And God's taken that and He's used that really well now. I got a filter. It's called Jesus, called Holy Ghost, right? grabs him by the ears sometimes. Like, okay. But he took me in the bathroom, my dad did, when I was young. And he grabbed a brand new tube of toothpaste. I think I might have mentioned this before once. And he's like, he put this this like a plastic uh, sheet down. And he said, squeeze the toothpaste out. And I like, the whole tube? He goes, yeah. So I just squeezed the whole tube out of toothpaste. It was like, machine gun. Flipping going everywhere, like little frost frosty serve thing. Right? And I looked at him like okay, I okay, did it. And he goes, Okay, now put it back in the tube. And he handed me like a knife to try and squeeze it in to the like, like getting a little bit and try to push it into the nozzle. And I started trying to do it. And after like two little things, like picking some up and trying to push it on, I said, I can't, I can't do it. And he goes, That's your mouth. And I was like, Wow. He said, once something comes out, you cannot ever take it back. Once it comes out of your mouth, you will try to take it back and cover it over, but you can't. There's a powerful lesson I learned when I was young. Because out of the mouth flows the abundance of your heart. I've had a lot of people say, oh, that was a mistake. Now, once in a while, even myself, you know, all growing up, there are times when we just genuinely go to say something and the wrong thing comes out. It's not come from an evil place. It'll just come out where you'll say one thing instead of another. And I don't know how it happens, but sometimes it does. Maybe we're speaking too fast. But for the most part with people, out of the abundance of their heart, you might have to sit for a minute, but eventually it's going to come out their mouth. At some point it's coming out. Okay, so let's, let's read this real quick. He is a perfect man able to also bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their their whole body. Uh, Look also at ships. They are so large and driven by fierce winds and they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. You guys ever thought about that? You get those massive container ships. You, You know that those big container ships can take several days to come to a dead stop. So those big container ships have so much physical mass in them that once they're at full speed, if they turn um, their, like just cut all the engines off, they say it can take up to a week for that ship to come to a dead stop. Is that a trip? And yet there's this tiny rudder that makes it turn. And so like, we, we can have these great, amazing lives. We can have, you know, built up things and started to establish ourselves in the great big world, but this little thing here can destroy everything. And you think about just over the last decade, people who have destroyed their careers by saying the wrong thing in public at the wrong time. And it wasn't that they said it at the wrong time, it was just maybe that that's who they were all along. It just accidentally came out at the wrong time. And it ended their career. And see, so we can destroy things by not putting a guard at our tongue and letting the wrong thing come out. Okay, let's keep moving here. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest fire it kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. That's full force, man. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the very course of nature. And it is a fire. We just drove down through Big Sur on the, on the coastal highway. And there was literally, we were driving for a solid like 15, 20 minutes and just, the whole territory had been burnt. Like, just ma- like It wasn't just like, oh yeah, look at that field. It was like whole mountainsides. We're just driving for like 15, 20 minutes and it just as far as you could see was burnt. You know what that started with? One tiny match. It's Crazy. And sometimes we can see it more clearly and like you see these big forest fires that we've been dealing with, like Irvine got evacuated just recently and up north, you know, hundreds of thousands of hectares were just burnt. It was one little spark, just one spark. And our tongue is like that. And that's why we have to guard what comes out of our tongue and what we let listen. Like when people are starting to let poison come out of their mouths, don't sit there and think that you're going to control a forest fire. Because the devil understands the power of seed, time, and harvest more than we do in the offering. Understand that. He understands that one little, has God really said that he's looking out for your best interests? And that one little idea, see, it doesn't actually say if Eve bit the fruit right away. She might have had that thought going through her head for months. And then one day she was like, you know what? I'm offended with God. And she didn't even put the two together. Because it, hadn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't the devil's suggestion anymore. It had become her own. You understand what I'm saying? So when people are around us that are sowing little, little it's not that they're actually saying it, that there's undertones there. We need to cut that stuff off. We need to deal with that thing and cut it off. Okay. For every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. This is how you tame the tongue you let Jesus tame your heart. Because when your heart has been tamed by the Lord and you've yielded to Holy Spirit, you're going to go to say things like you used to and Holy Spirit's going to grab you and you're going to go, oh, I'm not going to say that. That's not who I am anymore. That opinion, that perspective, that idea, it's not who I am anymore. I'm done with it. And I actually need to be changed by the renewing of my mind so that my heart can change, so that my tongue stops giving away things like that. Because I don't want, that, that's not who I am. I'm a brand new creation now. And see, some of us are in a process. We need, to, we need to go after life. So, with our, with our tongue, we can bless God and Father, and then we can curse men. Hello? We can then speak evil of people, but then at the same time, oh, Jesus, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. Flipping Johnny. <laughs> Just, oh. you see, like, that's full-blown, like, split personality. So can you imagine God in heaven, like one minute little Johnny's just like sitting there and he's in church crying and weeping and getting touched and falling out of the power. The next day, did you know, actually, and just starts pouring out poison. I'm really offended with the leadership, actually, right? And you can just imagine God sitting on his throne. He's like, "Mm mm-hmm. So all that stuff yesterday was fake. You were faking it the whole time? That's like, some, that's like dating some girl, fellas. And like six, 12 months later, she's like, yeah, I never really liked you. I was just hanging out for, you know, I thought you had money. Hello? Some of you are acting shocked. I'm just trying to get you to see it how God sees it from his perspective. You say one thing, but then you do the other. We've got to get this stuff tamed. So, with it, we bless God and then we curse men who've been made in the, in the image of God. Out of the same mouth, watch this, out of the same mouth proceed both blessing and cursing. My uh, the family, that's what the word brethren means. My family, these things ought not to be. Does a spring send forth both fresh water and bitter water at the same time? Like, you ever been down, like, gone down to, like, we, we saw a little spring the other day when we were up in, up in central California. It's like, oh, look, there's a fresh spring coming out of the mountain. And then you take one sip, and it's like, oh, that was the best water ever. We should, like, start a bottling facility here and make millions of dollars. And then you go to take another sip, and it's like, oh, that was salt water. That was a hit to the face. That just doesn't happen. At least be consistent. If you want to be a devil, just be a consistent devil. You go, Hello? But if you're going to do this thing with Jesus, be consistent. And if you have shortcomings, if you have days, because we all do, then get it right. And don't allow that to be a long-term double standard in your life. Okay, I'm going to try and wrap up in the next couple of minutes, okay? Can a fig tree, brothers, bear both olives and, or a grapevine bear frigs? Thus, no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. So that just needs to be something that we really start to benchmark ourselves. You know that that thing, misery loves company? So does offense. Offense has this overwhelming need to tell everyone its issues. But they do it in secret. Well, you know, I wouldn't say this publicly, but you're special, so let me just poison you. Open wide. Here comes the airplane. <laughs> True. And then like at <laughs> and then like at first, you're like, you're like real strong, you're like, okay. Um, I need to know this because, like, I need to pray over this, right? I just need to know this because I need to be aware of the situation of what's going on so I can be aware. No, you're nosy. That's like smoking crack cocaine and thinking that you'll never become an addict. Dude, that's highly addictive. Once you think that you're strong enough to be able to absorb everyone's offenses and you're the sin to now, At some point, you are going to be consumed because the agenda of that seed in them is to replicate and multiply in you. So when someone starts going, blah, 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 I'm like, hey, dude, hey, i got new shoes. I want to get that on me. (laughs) You got me? It's true. If you want to live poisoned, I can't fellowship with that. If you want to get right with Jesus, I can work with you but that ain't welcome. i got a strong no. Yeah, and see, the thing for me that I've learned is that, you know, if people speak bad about you or bad to you, I don't need to fix that. Jesus got me, 100%. He really does. And so sometimes we get, because we're a drama society, we're a drama culture. We love jumping into the drama and getting involved because we'd rather do that than actually just really address our own lives. So we feast on everyone else's twisted bitterness. You are what you eat, though. (laughs) Oh, that's fire. So we must understand that hell has a seed-based economy. Hell has a seed-based economy. A spell is a seed. Same as we're in the Halloween, like witch season, where more people go missing in America than any other time of the year because the covens are, this is true, you can check this out, because the covens abduct people and do human sacrifice at Halloween while you're dressed up like flipping Luke Skywalker. That's a fact. You didn't know that? Welcome to the real world. You've just been unmasked. Witches understand curses, spells, and incantations more than Christians understand prayer. Witches and and walks. and if you don't think this stuff's real, wake up. This is really real. When it says the witches are trying to curse Trump and all that stuff, like whether you agree with Trump or not, you have to understand the witches are coming against him. Hello. Wake up. Because witches don't curse evil. I'm sorry if I just offended you, but you take that up with God. They understand witchcraft word cursing more powerfully than Christians do gossip. Same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. Charismatic, let me say this who has the greater witchcraft? A person that worships the devil or a person that has actually been empowered by the Holy Spirit and speaking death? Who has the greatest sin? You can talk about the witches all you want. I just use that to draw you in, and then we got you. <laughs> it's, tr- it's true, though. But they just understand the dynamic of it more than you do. They, they really do. Okay, real quick, trying to wrap up here. A question or a doubt or a criticism is also a seed. Well, I really don't want to tell you right now, but like there's just really bad things happen that I've prayed about it and like, it's just really bad. And I, I, What do you mean? Yeah, I don't want to get into the details right now, but just, you know, it's just really bad and, you know, and they, this is this question gets sown into your mind. Hello? And they bait you with intrigue so you'll come and fish it out. Trying to look innocent. Trying to look naive and clean. But actually the reality is, is that those types of people are walking in high level witchcraft. You guys understand what I'm saying here? Like I know this is very intense, but you you don't have a problem with a 20 foot blow up witch in someone's backyard next door. (laughs) Hello, (laughs) yeah. funny how we like categorize stuff well he's in church talking about witchcraft dude have you seen America lately especially the last few weeks you're all dressed up like witches it breaks my heart we were in a Walmart the other day and I saw this little six-year-old girl dressed up like a witch and another little girl that was dressed up like a ghoul And see, I don't look at that stuff like cute Disneyland, little theatrical stuff. I look at that from what does this look like in eternity when that child's looking back over their life and they're not in heaven? My mom dressed me up like I was dead, and now I'm dead. You understand what I'm saying? That's why I show no mercy to that stuff. Because that's just straight evil. Okay, so real quickly, I'm going to run through a few things, and we're going to land. Ah, A few scriptures, yeah. We're going to finish soon. Luckily, we've got daylight saving though, so we're doing all right. You guys got an extra hour. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, so the first one gossip. Gossip is just that need to know, really important. I just need to tell you. I just, you just need to know this. You've got to listen to this. We'll receive questions at the end, right? The second, <laughs> that's fire. The second point The second point is slander. Degrading someone else so that you look better. Slander. Speaking evil of someone else. Lying and deceiving. That's, do you notice there's all stuff coming out of the mouth? Like, do, th- that ain't like some kind of mime. You have to use your mouth for that to lie. Or you you tell the story, well, it was kind of a white lie because I didn't really talk about that. They asked me and I was talking over here. I mean, dude, have you seen American politics lately? You ask someone a direct question and then they start talking about the weather. That's a lie. That's the same, that's the same thing as a lie. We don't worship politicians. We worship God. You can, you can only put one answer and there's not both end. Okay. The next one is speaking death. Well, I hope that business goes out of business. Now, if they got a witch shop, okay, that's cool. I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to curse that stuff. Oh, that marriage is never going to last. That's death. I'm not a death dealer. I'm a life giver. Someone needs to say that. I'm not a death dealer. I'm a life giver. So when we speak, we're not speaking death. Even over the people that have done us wrong. We can still talk realities and truths, but we're not going to prophesy death because the same words that can raise the dead are also the same words that can do the opposite. Okay, keep keep moving here. Here's the next one, agreeing with darkness. See, for me, to ignore what darkness is doing and stay quiet about it so that I look good is evil. What is that statement? When good, when good men see evil and do nothing, that is like the greatest tragedy. I know I didn't quote that perfectly right now, but you get my point. But the greatest evil is when good people see evil and look the other way. So when I agree with darkness, it doesn't necessarily even have to be my words, but it's the words that I don't speak. It's the words that I don't speak. Here's the next one. Conceding defeat. You guys ever been in those seasons, and I know every one of us has, where it feels like hell has been pummeling us so bad that it would just be easier to give up and concede and lay down and die, or let that thing go, or let that dream go, or, or just to like roll over and stop fighting. When we concede defeat with our mouth, you guys ever like you know, I'm an idiot. You ever said that about over yourself? You need to break that curse. That's a that's a powerful word. When you said I'm an idiot. I'll never be anything. Maybe your parents said that over you. I know a lot of us have had verbal abuse in our life. Maybe your parents or your coach or your boss, you'll never be anything. No, you need to break the power of those words. That's actually a word curse. But when we say it over ourselves, that's the greatest greatest tragedy because it's powerful, prophetic witchcraft. I'll never be anything. I'll never amount to anything. No, no, that can never... Listen, we all have those thoughts, but you didn't put them thoughts there. That's a devil whispering in your ear in the first person. Just give up. Just don't go to the cross, Jesus. Don't, just don't fight for that thing that God told you to fight for. Don't stay engaged. Just let it go. And he's speaking on the other side of let it go. Are you with me? See, I can never... I, I, I will hold my ground to the death on something that God has given me to fight for. We don't ever surrender. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter if it's not a big deal. That's why I love, you know, one of David's mighty men, he defended a lentil patch, a little patch of beans. And he had two troops of armed soldiers of the Philistines come through, and he picks up a 12-foot weaver's bean, piece of wood. And he fights 12 dudes, or sorry, uh, 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 two, two platoons or two troops of Philistines that are well-armed. And he defends the lentil patch. You know why? Because you don't give, you, you don't just fight for the big things, you fight for the little things. If you show the devil you're prepared to lay down over the little stuff, you'll let him have the big stuff too. You let him know that there is a no tolerance policy on anything. You come into our territory, you come into this church, you come into this village, we will fight you to the death. You will not have one piece of paper. You will not have one blade of grass. You have to understand that, You have to get that inside of you. We don't let this here sign our personal death warrants. We don't give up the fight. We stay in. The, we stay in the game. Are you with me? Okay, almost done. Last point: Mockers, people that mock things, tease or laugh at in a scornful or contemptuous manner. You guys, you hear what I just said. When they laugh or mock contemptuously. That's against authority. Hello? When someone's mocking or coming against or scorning, I don't want to be part of that. The Bible says very clearly there'll be mockers and scoffers in the last day. Okay, next one is scorners. Feeling or express... Did I say scorners or mockers first time? Mockers. So the next one is scorners. Feeling or expressing contempt, there's that word again, or derision against someone. Even the dog's agreeing. He's like, amen. Next one, critical spirit. Expressing adverse or disapproving comments or judgments. I don't like the way they do things. I don't agree with it. Just that one little statement, and then it gets in your head. Hello? You have to ask yourself, would Jesus do that? No. So that ain't Jesus. Jesus. Last point is worship of self. Look at the social culture right now. Do you notice how many people praise themselves? Do you notice how many people establish themselves? The arrogance that comes, if you just think about it from an eternal point of view, and if you don't have a grid for that, just close your eyes and imagine you've passed away and you're standing before the throne of God. And bring that culture into perspective. You're standing in front of God who made everything, and you are now a fragile leaf, and He can bring you into heaven or cast you into hell. Like, that's very humbling when you think about it like that. And all the, the culture, and not just in the world, in the church, globally. People have this ability of, like, praising themselves. Okay, and it comes out of our mouths. Okay, last, last couple of scriptures I'm going to race through, and then we're going to land. Is someone getting something today? It's just good to have a little, like, oil change tune-up right now because in the craziness of this year, we, need, we have let some things, you know, a couple of bolts come unscrewed and a couple of hinges come, you know, and we just need to be tightened up on a few things so that we keep pure and walking in the way that God would have us walk. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. A perverse man sows strife. Well, how do you sow strife? You start whispering dissension. You start whispering accusations. You start making hints towards things. And a whisperer separates the best of friends. Hello, are we awake? Right. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. Ooh! Okay? When someone trying, oh, just come over here. We don't like that. Let me just give you a few little tips and hints. And let me just sow some ideas of doubt and questioning and and. Concern, discernment into your head leads you in a way that's not good. And he winks with his eye to devise perverse things. He purses his lips and brings about evil. Interesting. We all know someone like that. You at least know one person. I know, I know a few. Proverbs chapter 6 now, verse 12. You guys with me? Proverbs 6, verse 12. A worthless person. Did he just say worthless person? Because we're all made in the image of God. Yeah, but if you live like a worthless person and you're just a plain devil, that's what the Bible calls you. Don't blame me. Just jump on that. Own it. If you you don't want to change, that's your destiny. You become worthless. How could you say that? I didn't. The Bible did. I just read it. Now, We've all been fearfully and wonderfully made, and God loves us, and it's not God's heart. God is in love with even the most broken person. But people have to choose Jesus, and when we choose Jesus, we lose the right to be on our own throne. And when we come off that throne, God starts to dismantle things, and we don't get to stay mentally in charge. I'm going to be all my strongholds. I'm going to hold all my old value systems. He's like, no, that's not kingdom. You're in a new... No, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, dude. Chill. You see, you come to Jesus and then he has to introduce you to a whole new belief system. It's very challenging. Okay. A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. Do you want to be worthless? Carry on with a perverse mouth. What's a perverse mouth? The word perverted means taking the right and twisting it into something else. It doesn't just mean like sexual perversion. Perverse means something that's twisted out of its original intent. So you walk with some, someone that's always taking something that was said and twisting it into something else and like trying to, trying to get in someone else's ear. That's perverse. So you, that makes you worthless? Dude, I don't want to be that person, so I ain't going to do that. Don't want to be worthless? Whoosh, other side of the fence. Jump over. Come on, it's good over here. Okay. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles with his feet. Okay? I mean, I don't think shuffling with your feet, but you get what I'm saying. It's kind of like that like, sketchy, squirrely scuffle. You know what I mean? Just squirrely in all they do. He points with his fingers. as perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. Watch this again. He sows discord. When Listen, the people that sow discord are cowards because they never do it in public settings. They do it when it's a one-on-one. Hey, listen, I just got to tell you something. I brought you here today, not to give you a car, because that's not my style. I'm stingy. I brought you here today to give you something better, to give you a juicy morsel that's going to destroy your soul as you sit and think about it for the next six months. That's what these people do. Hello? You'll watch them because you'll watch the trails of relationship that get close to them speed wobble and leave the kingdom or leave the church. You'll just watch them. as a trail of people of their... Around them, like anyone they get close to, just gets unstable, because behind the scenes at the coffee meetup, at the hangout, at the burger joint, at getting a taco, taco taco, they're giving some condiments on the side. Would you like a side of bitterness with that order? <laughs> I'm calling it. I'm calling it out. We want to. We want to healthy. We want to have healthy people. Yeah. And we all need it, myself included. We all just need to straighten up a little bit. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Ooh, that sounds like a really interesting prophecy. Whoa, that's real destiny. Yeah, we've all got destiny. We just need to make sure we're sowing into the right one. His, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. The, now watch this. This is, this is interesting to me. And, when, and you see these things quite a bit in, in the Proverbs and the Psalms. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. So whenever you see that type of statement, it's like, these three things the Lord hates, and the sixth one is an abomination. What, what he's saying is God hates these things, but the last one is the thing that God hates more than anything. That's what it says, okay? So let's read then. A proud look, God hates that. A lying tongue. God hates that. Hands that shed innocent blood, God hates that. Well, it's you know the reality is is that a lot of times people are spreading slander. It's not because the person that they're they're lying about did anything wrong. It's because what that person stood for made them feel uncomfortable. So instead of humbling themselves, they've got to make that person look bad. That's how that's how it works. You just got to see it for what it is and not be so gullible. Hands that shed innocent blood—that's what that is. I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt the person. Don't cast your pearls before the swine, right? They're going to trample the truth, and then they're going to come after you. That's what this is, innocent blood. That's what Jesus was. Jesus was innocent blood. Told them the truth, and they killed him. We don't want to deal with your truth, so we're going to kill you instead. That seems like a good thing. No, that wasn't a good thing. That was human nature, okay? But that's that's not an abomination. A heart that devises wicked plans, bad. Feet that are swift to running into bad things, evil, bad. A false witness who speaks lies bad, but one who sows discord among the brethren or family or church, that's the abomination to God. That's worse than the other six. The last one is an abomination. abominations a scary, scary word. Like when you're having a chat to God, he's like, yeah, there's an abomination in your life. You're like, dude, that's hellfire material, bro. (laughs) Like, I like brisket, but I don't like it that much. You know what I mean? Like... (laughs) Hello, are you guys with me? So like anyone that's into sowing divisive, divisionary slander, run. Just run. You ain't allowed in my wheelhouse. I don't want to listen to your words. I'm done. And I I don't need to be gracious and like super sweet and worrying about what you're going to say. I just don't want to hear it. Because you have the ability to pervert the course of my life where I could come off where I'm supposed to be. So because of that, I'm done. The Bible's actually okay with you excommunicating certain people. I'm not into, I'm, like, I've never preached about that, but actually there's a place for it in the book, and it's not, a, it's not some weird little side note thing. It's a big deal thing in the, new, in the, in the early church. Okay, I've got I to land. I'm way over time. I do apologize, but this is important. Last scripture, Proverbs chapter 10. Do you notice Proverbs, this is all just healthy wisdom coming through right now? Last Last chapter. Proverbs 10, verse 17, he who keeps instruction is in the way of life. If you listen to this today and you adopt it, you're going to be walking in the way of life. Because this is instruction being taught today. But he who refuses correction goes astray. The amount of people that I've had to sit down and have uncomfortable conversation with about their life, and then two months later, they sit down and like, God's moving me on. I'm like, that's you refusing correction. That's not God moving you. Where are you going? I don't know yet. Mm -hmm. that sounds like Jesus to me (laughs) God's leading you nowhere wow that's deep dude (laughs) like I said God never in the beginning of the service God never comes and does anything without an intention hey so it's time to leave cool where are we going nowhere maybe that's not Jesus maybe that's the other guy let me lead you into nothing okay But he who refuses correction goes astray. Watch this. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips. Oh, I'm not offended at all. Everything's great. No, everything's great. I don't need to be public about that. I don't need to actually go and talk to the person, Matthew 18. I don't need to go talk to the person directly. I'm going to tell the other 20 people in the room about how I feel. And whoever spreads slander is a fool. In the multitude of words, sinners' is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. You got an offense? Go talk to Jesus about it and see if he comes into agreement with your offense. Oh, that'll preach. It just did. Okay. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. You want to you you be a blessing to those around you? Be righteous in your words. And what I mean by that is let, let God's purity and love flow through you. If you have, because we all get offended and hurt sometimes, but that ain't for your neighbor, your peer, to walk you through so you can poison them. It's for you to go into your closet with Jesus and say, Jesus, I ain't coming out until you set me free. Because I need to forgive somebody, even if it was my own self. I need to forgive me for being offended because I was wrong anyways. I just took that the wrong way and I'm all messed up. The heart of the right, the heart. So watch this. The heart, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. See, there's no middle ground. This is not confusing. It's real clear. Jesus side, or you're going to look like the devil. Are you going to look like Let there be light, or are you going to look like his God really said? And we need to choose our friends that say let there be light into our lives and not has God really said or has pastor really said or did pastor really do that? Come on. because Listen, if the devil can't get you with God, he's going to get you with someone in leadership. It's just real. That's how it works because the devil hates authority, good authority. And I'm not saying there's never been bad authority in your life. There's a lot of bad authority out there. It's called abuse. Okay? But that doesn't mean there's not good authority. And we need to make sure that we protect ourselves and that ourselves, we make sure that this is healthy and our heart is healthy with God so that out of our mouth flows life. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I I do apologize. I've gone a long way over. Father, we just thank you for today. I thank you for giving me grace and everyone else patience. In Jesus' name, we love you, Father, and we thank you that you're going to help us walk in the way of the righteous and not in the path of sinners and scoffers, God, and liars and deceivers and slanderers, God, those that would try and pervert us with bitterness, God, that we ourselves would not walk in that, but we would come to you and get breakthrough and get freedom, God, that we would learn how to deal with personal offense and bitterness and not spread it like a cancer. In Jesus' name, I pray that in this house we would have a high standard on protecting our hearts and protecting our minds and guarding our tongue. You even said... Uh, David even said that he asked you to set a guard over his tongue that he wouldn't sin against you, God. And I pray that you would just put a guard over our tongues, that we would be careful in our words. So, uh, Father, I bless this church. I bless everyone watching online. I speak life in the name of Jesus. And I ask, God, that we would walk in your ways and not our opinions. Father, I pray this would be a phenomenal week of blessing, of breakthrough, of provision, where you break the enemy's chains, plans, and intentions, God and that you cause others to come to a knowledge of you this week because we're walking in righteousness and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.